You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here again with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the villainous Rich Wisniewski. Dave, you know, Rich isn't here at the moment, and I'm, I'm just over, he told me, Chris, I got a podcast, so I snuck in his room, and you know, what's, what's really funny is I have played villains in the past and you know some people will say when i dm i'm eventually a villain against all the player characters but chris what are you doing hey i need to bring up my youtube faja i'm just playing i'm looking at pulp fiction and the two mice bit where i did with the bucket (laughs) this is the whole episode you didn't know (laughs) chris get out of here give me these headphones Dave, I'm really sorry. Dan, you invite a guy over to play Call of Duty. What? And the next thing you know, he's like on your podcast trying mm-hmm. to take over. You, you, you know, you're in a couple movies and you think you're some star. You play fucking Call of Duty with Christopher Walken, the man from Suicide Kings? Well, Chris, I mean, you know. Come on. Uh, yeah. All Come the time. On. Don't you? Fatboy Slim video? Come on. I had a, I had a nightmare. Uh, after watching Jungle Book, the live-action version, where Christopher Walken sang as a giant gorilla. Yes. Chris, they hated you in Jungle Book, too, asshole. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Oh, man. Get what was, I'm here. sorry. How far were we in the episode before I caught him? <laughs> just mere moments. Mere moments. Okay, good, good. Well, let's just pick up from there. Okay, good. Um, everyone... <clears throat> We have uh, brought back to the show our great friend and co-collaborator, Rob, from the Table is Yours podcast. Hello. Welcome back, dude. Thank you. I'm feeling self-righteous and pedantic, so Mm, I'm very excited. Those are are good words. I think we've used those in the past. (laughs) I'm like self-righteous for sure. I have used (laughs) self-righteous. And I thought the other one was a sex term. It was really bad. We had, we had to like totally cut that whole section. So I'll get straight to the point. We are going to pick up our series on storytelling. Last mm-hmm. time we talked about how role-playing games were more like a campfire and talked about the importance of conflict versus and understanding the difference between conflict and obstacles and, and all of those good things. We had a lot of great feedback from that show which has inspired this show. And one of the notes that we got was, hey guys, that was a lot of fun, but it felt like it was very geared, very much geared towards GMs and not players. And that was a mistake on our part because we really... No, really? I think that it was geared more towards GMs, totally. Well, that that is a fair read, but I don't think that was our intention. I think our intention was to be, hey, let's be inclusive to both GMs and players. So I think this episode, Rob, you kind of have a way of framing this episode for all of our listeners. Yeah, so this uh, this episode is going to be about please. metagaming. Oh, there's, there you go. Metagaming. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm actually especially excited for this episode because part of, I, I don't want to say confusion, but like part of the misreading from the last episode, I would say, is that GMs are players too, 
And that's why I understand that people like it's very GM centric because mm. a lot of the advice is going to those people. But to that thought process, I would say that the GM is just a player with a different role. And therefore, it's about being mindful again that it's not necessarily everything is for the GM, that all of these tips are used by everyone. But in different ways. In different and, ways. That and is the, true. And the, and the ways that we described <laughs> were not necessarily for the other roles at the table. The other people at the table are there to entertain me. <laughs> there we go. We're back to the villainy. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to this because we. Uh, it's to me it's a good build on of the whole idea of role-playing games are like campfires yeah and we've talked a whole lot about the setup for the campfire story but mm-hmm. now we need to talk a little bit about the oh other they're like a campfire because we tell stories around a campfire not that everyone's burning welcome to two weeks ago when we recorded this got, <laughs> got it got it got with you now oh man <laughs> The same page has been reached for everyone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're all on the same page. Player story contributions and metagaming. Now metagaming. Now yeah. now including thought crimes. Yeah, <laughs> thought crimes. <laughs> yeah, this is like the hot topic of like, my players are metagaming and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, my GM thinks my character has to be dumb because they're uh, whatever. And it's like, look, just because you're in a society that doesn't have like, I don't know, triple book accounting doesn't mean you can't have like good books for your business, you know? <laughs> right. So when it comes to metagaming, I, I feel like in this weird void, because when I was first starting out into role playing games, when I was a teenager, metagaming felt like a much more like present and looming threat. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I don't care. And mm. that's the thing that I can better describe, because I don't know like how how prevalent the metagaming conversation okay, is. Okay, now give me a really good example of metagaming. Yeah, oh. we need to define this yeah, term. Give me, give oh, me like I'm a so real, into it. Yeah, okay. forget definition. Give me like an example at the table. Yeah. Uh, an example at the table? Um, let's say you use fire on a troll before your character might otherwise know that and you just use, you negated the troll's regenerative properties out the bat. Right out of the gate. Yeah, so for the folks that don't play fantasy RPGs, trolls typically are vulnerable or at the very least lack immunity to fire damage. And if you go into the game knowing that knowledge and your character uses that before the character knows it, that would be metagaming. That would be what most people would call metagaming, but I actually would uh, like to back up and define my terms better. Yes. See, I knew I knew if we asked you to, we would get we would get more meat. Oh, Carly, on this can phone. you can you define terms? Why? Of course I can. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Here we go. Let me reach to my dictionary. Oh, Robert. <laughs> oh, I told you I'm feeling pedantic. Here we go. So metagaming meta so meta is a prefix that means outside of. So when we right. talk about things like metaphysics, we're right. talking about the rules that construct how we understand physics. Uh, metagaming. Therefore, should be a game outside of the game. And in fact, we already do that, right? Yes. That's the role-playing, rolling of dice. That's all of that part. Metagaming is not what most people mean it as. And this is, I have a primary example, a perfect example of metagaming that everybody thinks is okay, but it is absolutely metagaming. Yeah. Player is talking to an NPC. The NPC is lying to the players. And the GM sucks at lying. Yeah. And the players are like, oh, why well, don't trust this? This bad guy's like, why don't you trust him? Because I can read your face. 
oh, but not it's not my face. It's the it's the NPC's mm-hmm. face. Doesn't matter. Cat's out of the bag. Right. And that is a more that is how people normally mean metagaming, where what I would prefer to call how people typically use the term metagaming, I mm. prefer to call it meta knowledge. Right. Because to be more clear about that, and I'm not going to get this pedantic later, but the metagaming would be a, a game outside of a game. Uh, that would be like reward and punishment uh, features inside your game. Mouse Guard does it a lot, and also like Luke Crane games do it, where you have like a, a resource against the players, and the players have a resource against you. That is legitimate yeah. metagaming. That's a game outside of the game. I brought those to Gen Con this year with yeah. my critical hit and critical fail decks. Yes. yes. In Call of Cthulhu, sometimes I have these black and white stones that I will just set in front of people, and I don't know what they mean yet. But they're like, <laughs> why did I get this? And I'm like, you'll find out. And like, that, that's, <laughs> that's metagaming, because it's a game about the game. Whereas what most people are like, oh, you're not supposed to know that yet. That's a form of meta-knowledge. Mm, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, like uh, the fate system, fate accelerated, has the whole fate points you can trade back and forth. Metagame. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And a lot of times people will say, oh, I love a system that has tons of player agency stuff where after the roll, they get to do a push or they get to do this thing or they get to stunt. And really, that's another game that augments the base game. And that goes back to what we were talking about before, where the the system and the rules needs to better facilitate the type of game that you want. But... Just so that I can like be very clear here, in this case of metagaming, we're talking about an actual game with mechanics and rules, as opposed to how most people typically use the term, which is, you know something you shouldn't. Okay, okay, so can or we... Or I break out my iPhone and research a creature we're fighting. Yeah, exactly, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, or or uh, you're running a game in a stream, and two of the players have a private chat that the GM doesn't know about, and they're sending messages to one another while the characters never, aren't in the same area. Dave, that would never happen in one of your games. It Blue would never and I happen. Have never done that. Did he spill the beans? And suddenly, the crab has brilliant <laughs> ideas about how to solve problems that the crab would have never had on its own. How did you know we did that? That's absurd. I would love to like that would be really good in a paranoia game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Then, if we ever run paranoia, I'm gonna say absolutely you all can stream. You can all have side chats. I also have side chats. Right? And then if, <laughs> if if friend computer finds out about these chats <laughs> and oh my god, that that's that that in itself, because you're tying that back into the framework of your of your tone setting and theme is now yes. part of the metagame. Right. Yeah. Now the now the metagame is part of the conflict. Yeah. Like there's there's metagames in competitive gaming, right? Like you need to understand how other people play so you can play the game of preparing so you can better compete. Like that is itself a metagame. It's a game outside of the game. Hmm. And now to talk more about what other people actually mean when there's when they're saying metagaming, which is meta knowledge. Don't I use love it, that using. term, by the way, and we'll be using it from now on. Yes. Meta knowledge? Yes. I like meta knowledge much. I mean, more. that's fair. I would still use metagame just to be like so most people could understand me. <laughs> well, I think I think if you say meta knowledge, people are like, wait, what? Oh, actually, no, that connects. I'm okay with that. So this is a fun little side side thing. I'm just, just, just all right, everybody. This is a real quick note from Croy. <laughs> I was once told that I get one F bomb per episode, <laughs> and I've been trying to figure out when to ration them. Yeah. <laughs> 
and this one is mine right now. All right, guys, we're back. <laughs> so everybody needs to chill the fuck out when it comes to metagame. All right, everybody needs to cool their shit. <laughs> Here's why. Okay, and now I'm going to use metagaming like most people mean okay, metagaming yep, now. Yep, yep. You can't not metagame. Wait, wait. I, are, are you saying that, that because my character knows Elvish, but I don't know Elvish, are you saying that because I understand complex math, my character might not co- understand complex math, I can't just use complex math to solve problems? Man, are you telling me these things? No, I, I'm saying that I don't play games with... I mean, I, I typically don't play games with people with multiple personality disorders and who actually do believe that they are an elven sorcerer sitting at my table capable of casting magic and are legitimately confused when I say roll the dice. All right. You, you, you know you're your playing player. a game. I'm legitimately confused when I tell <laughs> the guy's doing like somatic components and pulling that shit out of his pocket and he's saying words of power and he's like in the middle of encanting like the pit fiend to come at the middle of the table and it's like roll the dice like what say do you mean <laughs> now I would be most impressed if like there was a fiend actually coming out of the table and you're like whoa whoa hold on no you didn't roll yet <laughs> And then it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It starts to go back down into the table. <laughs> but yeah, like when people I sit down. I would play in that game. Oh, I, yes. I, the satanic panic may have been real. <laughs> but when you play an RPG, I assume everyone knows they're playing a game. Right. <laughs> and that's a very important thing to understand, because now once you acknowledge that we're all like aware that we're playing a game, mm. we can't just magically forget that we're playing a game. Right. So where, if- where everything is broken out into five foot increments, where ranges of arrow flight magically get harder at a certain foot distance right? 200 feet it gets harder <laughs> it's like well <laughs> in a world where that is true like the 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 diagram of accuracy is like good 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 and then huge drop off and then good 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 huge drop off it's like what <laughs> well like i mean to go back to my troll thing and we can talk right. about your 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 um lying npc thing as well like what normally happens right is that you're gonna have uh, a player and they'll come across a troll and the, the, the player will know that they can use fire or whatever against the troll and then they do it. And then the right. GM, if they're an ill-prepared, uh, lacking of imagination GM, would be like, you can't do that because you don't know that it's weak to fire yet. <laughs> and now my question is, oh, great. If we care so much about meta knowledge, what is the arbitrary number of times someone has to act stupid before you're willing to let them do a thing they already know? Mm. And so since meta knowledge exists, mm. you can't not. It's going to be there. Therefore, you should prep around the meta knowledge use the meta knowledge in your game okay i i'm all for this like tai chi kung fu style of using the momentum of meta knowledge for your advantage but Uh, yeah yeah. but i think that people listening to this will say but robert yes i want my players to connect with the world i want them to connect with the story and if they use knowledge that they possess outside of that it makes me think that they're not connecting with the story. They're not connecting the world. They're 
connecting with the game portion when I want them to connect with the story portion. But to which I would reply, uh, abstract viewer, that the game and the story are the same thing. That's why we're using the role playing game. If you're trying to divorce them, go write a book or go play a video game. And having the both of them together can help reinforce the other. I was once talking to my friend, Mike, and he was like, uh, I want everything to be raw. Rules is written all the time because that's mm. what the game is for. And I'm like, yeah, OK, but imagine if we're playing a game, I'm running it right. And you come across some dungeon and in the middle in the heart of that dungeon, there's an elf and that elf is asleep. And they're like, elves don't sleep. And I'm like, no, Mike, don't you get it? The elf is asleep. What power has been able to override this racial trait to such an ability that it can put the elf to sleep. You, as Mike, should go, holy shit. And then right. you, as your character, should go, this is interesting. And then that's where we get, like, the meta-knowledge is a thing that players should use, mm. not only because, yes, you have it, and therefore you can connect with the story more, but you can make more conscientious, deliberate decisions to connect to the story more based on your character knowledge. It's about being mindful again of what you know and therefore how you can better act on that in the story as a whole. Nice. I like this. And, and I would have a I would have a, another example that goes the other way of, you know, what you don't know as a player. Mm -hmm. And you know that your character is probably very good at something that you might not be good at. For instance, persuading somebody. You might say, look, I personally have enough social kind of barriers or whatever to keep me from being a great salesman or a great politician. But if I make a character that's good at this, I can say, no, no, no. Here's my intention. Here's me describing it as best as I can with as much role play emphasis as I, as I can bear. But I'm going to use the rules in the game to allow me to accomplish something that I can't accomplish through this character. Yes. I think the rules of the game can help facilitate your role play and the role play and the rules are used together. Right. I don't ask people to swing. I have a sword. I'm sure many of us do. I don't ask people to swing my sword and like, I want to do a sword check. And it's right. like, no, you do. You, you can use the dice. That's why you're playing a character who does other things. Right. But oftentimes what people do is they'll say, OK, well, how do you how does your character convince them to do this? And then the player has to they're not swinging a sword, but they're swinging their words. Exactly. Right? And then the DM will judge. Well, uh, I'm not super convinced on this. My view is no, no, no. You immediately go to the game and say, all right, let's roll the dice and let's let your character carry their weight and swing the their verbal sword mm -hmm. in this game to accomplish this feat. I think a lot of GMs do that. I I do that a lot where it's not. I do a version of that where it's not like, oh, you said the magic words where it's like, OK, you said a convincing argument. You get a bonus. You still have to roll. Right. Good table contribution gets you a bonus in a lot of games. And I mm -hmm. think that's good. One hundred percent. Yeah. Would, would you would you think would you would you say, Dave, that if you played the metagame, you could get bonuses? <laughs> <laughs> there are many systems that say, yes, you get that. <laughs> and they and they systemize the whole thing. They say, "Oh, hey, somebody stunts well, they get a plus 2 on the thing or whatever." And absolutely, I think that's I think anything that encourages good player connection with mm -hmm. the game and with their character and with the stuff that you guys are all trying to accomplish together, anything you guys can do to help make that happen, including metagame is fair play. 
I think you you said player connection, and I think that's really important because I wanted to go back to your lying NPC, <laughs> and I was going to say like if the meta knowledge of the players is that the NPC is lying, but the characters don't necessarily know that, then I might be lenient if I'm bad at lying. Like you know, certain people GM. You know, the certain types of people who GM are the people who are probably better at playing characters in general but whatever let's say they let's maybe say they, they realize yeah let's say <laughs> maybe they are not. maybe they're just really bad at impressions <laughs> and that's and that's that's totally fine because then what happens is the players through their meta knowledge going okay i realize this guy is lying to me i don't really have a justifiable reason for my character to believe that he's lying to me therefore how can I put my character in a position that is interesting, believing this probable lie and still connect to the story? Because the connecting yes. to the story does not mean gaining success for your character. Right. Right. So this to me, I think, man, we're right in the middle of this. Like this to me, this is the juice. This is like the <laughs> when people say when people have these conversations about meta knowledge, and all this kind of stuff, it spins off in all these directions. But it's it's really cool to say, no, 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 no. Use it as a tool. Don't, 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 don't act like it's not there. Yeah. That's, that's the extreme, extreme and incorrect overcorrection that people can have where it's right. like, oh, we, we shouldn't use meta knowledge. Therefore, we will purge all met meta knowledge. And then at that point, you've become some like strange. Uh, You're a method actor at a role playing oh, game table. Oh, man. Yes, you are. <laughs> I say this as an actor. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the term for one who is lobotomized is. Like, <laughs> because that's what you're attempting to be when you're trying to like purge meta knowledge from your not from your mind. Yeah. Well, you're an amnesiac, right? You're a you're a <laughs> selectively. You're yeah. a selective amnesiac. And then and then you have to go through all this trouble of like, okay, well now I know this, but then you have to like go through all of your memories to be like, okay, now do I know this because I know this or do I know this because my character knows this or did we learn this together? And like, no, dude, meta-knowledge exists. Next thing you, you know, it's Memento that. when you got tattoos yes. everywhere. <laughs> Polaroids. Yeah. Shit. I, uh, earlier, earlier you said like Tai Chi used the momentum against them and uh, I just wanted a real quick joke. I heard a uh, Jiu-jitsu is the gentle art of folding clothes with people still in them. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So yeah, we need we need to give players and we need we need everybody at the table, all participants of the game, to have the meta knowledge jujitsu so they can gently fold <laughs> their meta knowledge into useful characteristics for the story while their characters are still in the meta knowledge or whatever. Oh, I have, a, <laughs> yes. I have a perfect example of a meta game that I did and I loved it. Mm. Um, so as you know, I play Call of Cthulhu a lot. Yep. Um, and I told my players that uh, the, the thing we were playing, which is Masks of Nyarlathotep, it's very lethal and people can go insane quite easily. But I only had so much time. So I didn't want people to, like, go through characters that fast. Right. So one of the things that I allowed them to do is gain sanity back through some means. And the way that I gave them was in between sessions, if you write in your journal in our Discord server about, like, the experiences of the last session, oh. then, I'll, then I'll give you some sanity for the next session. So then we got this super cool, like, personalized journal from each player. And that's absolutely a metagame. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it's very common to say, look, if you do a character write-up, I'll give you some extra XP or I'll give you some other in-game benefit. Mm -hmm. GMs do this all the time. I will give you this (laughs) in-game benefit if you do something I need done. (laughs) And... Yeah, it's it's really just like what you should do as a GM and as a player, everyone who plays should look at everything that they could do at the table. Now, that's a very abstract thought because it could be like certain certain topics are taboo against other uh, against or not against, but with some people. And that's then that's OK. But right. we need to come from that point of consideration first. There should not be a topic or a mechanism or an idea or a thought where we just outright say, like, no, we're not doing that. We should think about it again first so that we can then say, no, we're not doing that. To be mindful of the decision is important. Still make the decision, but right. but do it, but do it oh, with forethought. Oh, God, but now I'm back to our Expanse game, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the Expanse Oh, game? dude, we had decision paralysis. Oh. It was a heist. It was a yeah, it was problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> These guys, wow, they were metagaming the whole heist instead of just doing the heist. Okay, yeah, I will say I will say that that was a great example of the players have been in enough games where they got screwed. Yeah, that they had all of these like contingency ideas and they wanted to check every little nook and cranny and be super careful before we attempted the heist. When obviously the guy running the game was just like, are you all going to start yet or no? You want to check more things? Okay, let's check more things. That sounds like (laughs) some players got gun shy. Yeah. From some previous games. And that's a that's a situation where metagaming was used against them. Right. The players got gun shy because they were in too in their own heads about the lethality or the, the making a mistake. I think this is one of those things where players are really afraid of making mistakes because they're trying to win. And this is one of those areas where it's like, hey, acknowledge you're metagaming here. Mm-hmm. Does it really make sense for your character to be this this concerned? You know? I have, yeah. I, I, everybody's done this. If you're a GM and you're like, I do this stuff, you're talking directly at me and I feel personally attacked. I did this, man. Totally. When I was a kid, I was playing 3-5 and I had this little a dungeon kid. through a crypt and my play, like, I just had a room, man. It was, it was a room. You know what was in that room? Nothing. There was a room. <laughs> and my players walked in and they're like doing the 10 foot pull tr- check everywhere for oh, trap yeah. sort of thing. Oh, and at yeah. some point I'm like, all right, all right, you find... Um, a loose brick in the wall and they're like oh god okay and then i i remove it and i'm like as you remove the loose brick you can feel the mortar slipping behind it and small dusts plumes out okay i look inside you see a small folded paper in the recess of the wall i gently take it out you do so it's folded i open it you gently open it and this in the sides begin to crack and crumble to dust it, it says something what does it say screw you Move on. <laughs> I'm using that. Yes. You know, it's like the, um, what was it uh, in like Fallout 4? If you go around checking every door in every building, eventually you find the door that just says fuck off behind the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, oh man, like, and that's, that's hard to express in words how every single time you do a thing in a game and every single time you don't do a thing in a game and that's again very abstract for both players and gms that has an effect on the feeling and how the rest of the game is going to be played yeah yeah i i I will i will summarize that by saying 
ladies and gentlemen, you, every moment of every day of your life, you're training everyone around you how to treat you. And the same is true in your game. Every action you take in your game as a GM or as a player or whatever, you are training one another how you want to engage and how you want to be treated in this environment. So I shouldn't necessarily, you know, like the group I play with, sometimes, they'll, you know, like at Gen Con, they were checking with a 10 foot pole. And then the minute they didn't use the pole, I dropped a chap, trap right there. <laughs> So then they go, they go immediately back to using the ten foot pole, and the, the then the minute thing, they the, stop, I put another trap there. Straight lab rat Pavlovian. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I, I literally cannot think of anything other than a Skinner box right now. Yeah. That is straight up. They were like checking every door for traps. The minute they don't check, trap. Yeah, dude. And I remember, I remember when I was like doing this bullshit trap stuff i had oh i'm gonna explain this really quick because it was i feel bad for it like i am ashamed of past rob for this trap <laughs> where see okay i think i think it's, it's worth mentioning for the folks out there that feel attacked right now this is coming from a place of of knowledge where we have all done things where we go god past rob or past dave or past rich you were not in a good place when you did this decision <laughs> So pleased with your story. So they had to walk down a hallway. It was only five feet. So it was just one square, right? It was three, five. And the ceiling was sloped. So it was the, the, the walls were straight, but the, the ceiling was sloped downwards so that it was yep. very high where they entered mm -hmm. and it would reach the door where they would go. Yep. And there was a pressure plate that was very obvious. <laughs> no, it was sloped the other way. That's important. Okay. Uh, Closer to where they entered. And there was a pressure plate that was very obvious. You're like, that's a pressure plate. So they would jump over it and they jump onto another pressure plate that was less obvious. And then, okay, fine, sure. So they do that. That's fun. Do that sometimes. That's great. And then, like, just, just this <laughs> giant wrecking ball comes down in a five-foot hallway. Dun, 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 oh, no, no. We're dun, not dun, done. Because there's more. <laughs> it comes down and they're like, oh, no. Run backwards. Because there's no way they can go to the side. So they run backwards. Ho, ho. But Rob thought of this. So. <laughs> so as because it's sloped if you know anything about momentum it crashed into the ceiling because it was sloped closer on that end uh -huh. and then it would use where it was bolted as another wrecking ball <laughs> <laughs> so it was like an upside down slinky <laughs> don't do that that's when everyone leaves <laughs> That's, there, okay. Yeah, there is there is a moment. There is a there is a, 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 a an amount that you can push, and this is true for everybody at every table. There's an amount that players can push the 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 GM DM before they get frustrated. Yes. Right. And and you ran into that when they were going and doing the five foot step in every every little inch of every room, and. <laughs> And you got frustrated, and so you you very very carefully delivered them a handwritten note that said "move on." <laughs> and the same is true for GMs. You can make something so over the top, like mm -hmm. egregious, that the player's can like, you? "Okay, I'm not checked in anymore. This is way too much." Can you? And I think you can. I think you can find that in any table. And I think this is true for any topic, right? Like you can make shopping for magic items or shopping for potions just so involved and intricate. Oh, yeah. That people check out. And so to me, this this whole metagaming thing, using it, you know, using it as the Tai Chi style metagame, 
this is a, a perfect example of how to use the metagame for good because you're checking the temperature of the table as you're doing things. And if you are near the limit, you should be detecting that. Yeah, man. I'm not going to bring in Vampire the Masquerade, Cabal, Ooh, that's like secret society stuff in the middle of a dungeon crawler. Like, I know the metagame. I know what we're expecting. Right. Oh, so expectation. This is another big thing I wanted to talk about because let's say you have a character that's doing a bunch of like sciencey stuff in their lab and all that kind of stuff. You know, the the expectations, the story progressing from there is going to make sense. At mm. no point should an anvil fall from the sky through all the layers of ceiling onto that character's head. That defies expectation, right? So there's this kind of expectation meta game being built in here that says, look, this is the game we're playing. These are the things that are possible. And we all agree to that. That is also metagame. Yeah, you should use the metagame. I once had a Pathfinder game where it was going to be like on boats and very naval. And somebody came up to me and was like, I want to be a cavalier. And I'm like, you're on a boat. <laughs> Where's your horse going to be? Yeah. They're like, I'll get it when we get off the boat. And I'm like, dude, this is a naval camp. It's okay. I'm going to do it. You will not have fun. I'm going to do it. And then like six months later, he's like, when am I going to get a damn horse, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> I set the expectation in the beginning. <laughs> You should have given him a little seahorse, like in a little. I was bag. just thinking you should give him a dolphin. <laughs> a dolphin would have been great. Way, would be cool. way nicer than my yeah. seahorse answer. <laughs> now, I mean, and what we're talking about is any knowledge that you use and any knowledge. And because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. So you, you should use the knowledge that you do have and you know where your gaps are. Right. And that's important to also understand and use as you're playing. Now, you can play with that. You can change what people know. I once ran a very successful campaign where I did what I called closed character creation, where we did not explain characters to each other. And we only uh, explained what people actually physically saw about their characters and yeah. how that went. Uh, and that was really cool. Like, that I had a magic. Yeah, I had a bard. Yay. Yeah, I had a bard. Nobody knew he was a bard. Yeah. Uh, and it's because his somatic component, he spent a feat to change the, uh, the verbal component to my friend. That way he could like charm person by like my friend. And everyone's nice. like, oh, he's just really nice to people. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, dude. I know what this guy's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to wreck this. Yeah. Critical Role Season 2 is that way. They started out. None of the, none of the characters really knew each other. And we all got to see them discover one another. And I think that's a fun mechanic, right? Yeah. The other thing I would say is like you're playing a game and a lot of times games can feel very transactional, right? Because you are talking to this NPC, you have a goal and objective in mind. And so the players will kind of shape the conversation to really only focus on the task at hand, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that you could do to to add in a little spice there is if we take a step back and look at our characters and say, look, I want to give my character some kind of a uh, thing that they care about that has nothing to do with the game, you know, like eating fine foods, or maybe they're into poetry, or maybe they're into some other just pastime, just some hobby. There's no skills towards this or anything like that. They just, there's just something that they like that they like to talk about that gives you a tool to later on connect with NPCs on a level other than transactional, right? That's Yeah, that's very true. You get the ability to use some kind of forethought, some metagamey th forethought to say, look, I want to include these things into my character so that my character is a little bit more fleshed out so that when I talk to NPCs, I have something to talk to them about 
besides the transaction of I need you to let me through this door. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, hey, do you like frogs? Because my character's really into frogs. And so like, what do you, you know, do you like frogs or toads? And then the then the GM can say, oh, yeah, that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Fuck it. This guy's into lizards. Oh, okay, yeah. So we talk lizard shop for a little bit. It's like, yeah, you guys have kind of got a rapport now. And now, boom, now we can get into the transactional stuff. But there's like this history that's left behind for the NPC. It's like, oh, man, that was the guy that I talked lizards with. Frog dude. Now, you know where I've seen this the best is in Doctor Who, the role playing game. Oh, I've played it, you know, three or four times. I've GM'd it three times. And what I found is unbelievably everyone has meta knowledge, right? Yes. Yeah. Everyone knows all about Doctor Who, but I see players play their character per se and not try to be the doctor when they're not the doctor or not to be Clara when they're not Clara. And that is where I've probably seen the best version of that. Al did a great job. I think he'd only seen Doctor Who like twice and we made him the doctor. Oh, nice. And everybody at the table at the end was like, oh, you played such a fantastic doctor. But you know that there were times in the game they all wanted to do the doctor thing, but they stuck to their thing. They used their meta knowledge they applied it properly, whether to be a good support That's role excellent. or to, um, you know, help question and get out ideas from the doctor or with the other players. You are bringing up something that's so important in all of this. Let people play their character. Yeah. Right. If you, if you, if you Ooh, are the rogue, sometimes. oh yeah, if you people, are I've the seen rogue them. and you really think the wizard should be doing this, shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to say that Dave is absolutely right, but I would say let people play their character asterisk. Okay. <laughs> what is I this knew asterisk? this was coming. Yes. If you if your character is an asshole, you can get you can leave. Like that's that's basically right. Oh. At. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Because yeah. so, I am I am one hundred percent sick of anyone who goes. But that's what my character would do. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. There is a seesaw. There's a there's a seesaw thing here. There's a fulcrum. There's a balance point. Right. Mm-hmm. In that. In that. If I'm the one in charge of the Doctor in the Doctor Who game, everybody mm-hmm. else at the table knows. Let me let me do the Doctor thing. Don't tell me how to play the Doctor. Right. And this also comes in back way back when we did our women in gaming thing. This is something that comes up a lot for uh, women in gaming, uh, persons of color in, in gaming, mm-hmm. uh, accessibility issues in gaming. Other people at the table, in maybe a kind of well-meaning but actually not sort of way, will try and help someone play their character when it's like, no, 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 no. Let them play their character so long as they're playing a character that is, you know, moving us forward and, and, is, and is contributing to the game in a way that is not destructive, like what your asterisk is really getting to. Right, because mine, mine is... There's this like fetishization with the idea of being in character to such a degree that you only do what your character would do. Evil campaign. And it's, yeah, and it's this. No, I'll do evil campaigns, but again, we need the. But we you need know where knowledge. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, like we need we need the meta knowledge as players to understand that we're all here playing a game. And if you make a rogue who steals from everyone and murders the druid in the sleep, and that and and they would do that, their that character would legitimately do that. Then you shouldn't be playing that character. The character's for the GM as a villain. <laughs> Thank hey, you. hey, GM! I made you an awesome rogue villain who should totally be in this party. And I shouldn't say evil campaign. Because an evil campaign, you may as well. Yeah, I know everybody's mean, in. On. Everybody's in on it. But when one person says, "I want to play the evil character," and 
they look at their character sheet and they say, well, it says I'm evil, so I have to do these things. It's like, no, no, no. Big hand wavy motions. No, that is that is the wrong application of meta knowledge. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I what I'm talking about is actually like a, a severe lack of application of meta knowledge at all. Because exactly because what I mean by that is. Like, again, let's see. Oh, oh, yeah. You you have you have the character's uh, motivation so well dialed in. There's no I am being true to their motivations. Their motivations happen to be horrible to party and game cohesion. (laughs) Yes, that's that's this idea where I'm not going to metagame, but I'm also going to make this character. And now because I'm not metagaming or using meta knowledge, because I can't do that, I must method act. And because I'm a rogue, I must steal. And because I'm around these people, I must steal from them. Why are you stealing from me? It's what my character would do. To which I as the GM say, yeah, and you made an asshole. So make another character who wouldn't do that. <laughs> so actually, we have an upcoming uh, cyberpunk game, right, where yeah. everybody is a family member in a nomad tribe in the dark future. And they asked me this question during session zero. One of them said, what about player versus player combat? They're all worried about me. Crime, that kind of thing. What if what if one of the other players steals from me? And I was like, OK, cool. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to be part of our game. I don't think that's fun. But if two of you agree that you like this type of stuff and the two of you outside of the game agree you want to have this happen and you guys partake in this activity, that's fine. But no, nomads have a de- have a way of dealing with thieves. Yes. And it's a way that doesn't allow one of those characters to stay in the game. <laughs> so, if, so by all means, use this mechan- mechanic if you like, but understand that the end result will be one of the characters is no longer in the game. If you if you want to do stuff like that, make sure that you talk to the other person because bad bad Rob from the past yeah. had this really cool <laughs> paladin Speaking and I chopped off experience. I see. Yeah, I I, 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 I chopped are, off the hand are. of one of my other <gasps> play, uh, characters. <gasps> yeah, as a as a character, I chop off the hand of another character because yes. like I was playing Dungeon World and I was playing I think the the paladin. Yeah, I don't know their their thing is like. Law, yeah, and yeah. my thing was like I'm 100 percent about your judge dread, your judge jury yeah, execution, judge dread 100, yeah, and <laughs> and they stole something, and I'm like, look, I have a book on human law, and we are currently in X kingdom, therefore this is, therefore I have to kill you. That sucks. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So let's just refer to natural law. So I just chop off your head. Can you agree to that? <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, I yes, to go back to if both of the players. Before the situation started, said this will be fun for both of us, and we understand the possible outcomes are one of the players doesn't have a hand. <laughs> and then he, yeah, it was fun. And then he's like, "Oh man, that seems like really weird." Let me see your big book of law. And it was like fairly godparents, right? Had like the book of law for all places. And I'm like, it says right here, there shall be retribution. And he's just like, "Just take a pinky, then." And I'm like, "I'll bleed." It's like, "Yeah, okay, sounds great." And it's just like chopped off his pinky. And I'm like, "All right, we cool? Yeah, don't do it again." <laughs> See, that is that is folks, ladies and gentlemen, that is how you navigate player versus player conflict at the table. 
chop off their pinky. You, 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 you work at it. You don't just decide, oh, my character would just do this unilaterally. You right? say, yes. Like, like for some reason, people understand on some base level that there's a social contract when we get to the game. Yeah. Like there's like there's an understanding when we all sit down. But then for some reason, people believe that as soon as we start playing, everything's fair game. Like, mm-hmm. how did we agree to get to the table? And then we all said, screw everybody else while we're playing. <laughs> I'm lucky I have not been in those games. Yeah. Well, you've I been the DM in lucky. those games, my friend. <laughs> everybody look left. Everybody look right. Then I just kill everybody. <laughs> I think there's there's a really cool balance to strike here. Right. And and I think that everybody intuitively knows. All right. This is kind of a dick move. Right. Like yeah. when you're sitting at the, at the table and you're about to do something, you're like, this might be kind of a dick move. I'm going to do it anyways. And everybody at the table looks at you like that was kind of a dick move. <laughs> like maybe now we have gone too far. Right. And I mentioned earlier, know when you've gone too far. So you don't do that again because <laughs> you're trying to have fun together. <laughs> and yeah, this is a lot has been said to reiterate Every what Dave said very well, which was you're training everyone to tr- uh, how to treat you. My old director would say you're always auditioning. So it's the same concept in the game. Everything that you do has an influence on everything that comes after that. Yeah. So if you're going to do something and it's a dick move and then you think about it and you decide to do it anyway. I'm 100% on board because you thought about it. And now you know what the consequences will be in the future. And, and here's the critical thing. Those consequences have to happen. As a GM or as a whatever, you know, if you're a member of the table, if, you, if this happens and there's no consequences, you are now training the table and the character and that player, this can happen again without any consequences. Right. We have to connect with the things that happened in the game and we have to use them in future sessions as justification for actions that happen. And if somebody does a dick move and there's no consequences, that dick move is going to happen again. Yep. Yeah. I kind of remember an L5R game where maybe I was poisoned somehow with the uh, bad guys, the, the, the juju. And there was someone in our group that would kill me if they knew I had the juju in me. You had been in the Shadowlands. You had been infected. Yes. And yes. I had to keep that quiet because if it ever, and I think I took it to get something else. You know, I took the taint to be able to get a benefit, a boon. And um, if I ended up exposing that or letting that be exposed, the other guy, he was just going to kill me. Right. And this so I literally had to keep it quiet during the entire game. Right. And I had to not let the situations we got in, let it come out. Right. And because the consequence, which I believed was there, Made it to where I played that role better. Now, here's my question. Did everyone at the table know that you had the taint? I don't think so. Okay. I would say I think that, that was the a game me and Dave been, thing. I don't know why. I, Do, am I right, Dave? I think you are correct. I think eventually the table knew, but initially for the first several sessions, they did not. Yeah. And that's fun. And I'm glad that they eventually found out because I'm very guilty of this with like the, the wanting to play with meta knowledge. Like having a really cool thing, right? is only cool if it happens. If it's just, if it's all for the GM or the player, it's not cool because nothing's happened yet. Right. And so 
once everybody found out that you were tainted or if everybody knew, but the characters didn't, that's a much more interesting. Yes. And, and there's another aspect to this, which is kind of the reverse of meta knowledge. And it's, it's like, it's like forgetting things that are in the game because they're not super important to the table talk stuff. And that is things like merits and flaws from other systems Yes. Mm-hmm. to say, oh, well, my character has a phobia of this thing. I wrote it down in session zero. I forgot about it yeah. after playing for 30 sessions and I don't bring up my flaws anymore. I've got four or five flaws written down on my character sheet because I'm playing a game that has this kind of mechanic. I don't bring them up. We have forgotten about them. Mm-hmm. You know, no fun. they don't yeah. care anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, I completely, yes, 100%. When, when there's a thing that is important, it needs to be, it needs to come up. Otherwise, why did it exist? Like I went like one time again, I took a one-eyed, one-armed guy. And yeah. was it just one arm? I didn't so arm, arm, arm. Yeah. One arm. One and arm. so if I start doing things later in the game with two arms, well, that wasn't fun. I didn't, and I did play him one-armed. Yeah. And That's it was my cool character. That's how I play him. Because, well, you reminded me because I would say, oh, you do this. Cause, uh-uh, I've only got the one arm. It's like, oh, that's right. That's right. And yeah. um, when I did my when we did our streaming L5R game with Barry, he constantly reminded me that his character was blind because oh, I would right. just I would just forget because I don't I don't have characters that that are blind often in games. And mm-hmm. so I just was bad and forgot. And then he was like, no, I don't see that because I'm blind. It's like, that's right. I You're, kept rearranging furniture. <laughs> I was like, that's right. Your assistant taps you on the shoulder and that is your signal that this is happening. And that was, and I had, he kept reminding me that and it was a cool way to bring me back into the game to yeah. not forget important knowledge about the characters. There was that, uh, just as an entirely side thing, that sounds super cool because I try to use many senses when I describe things anyway, Yeah. but having a, a character who's legitimately blind and then like have to find solutions so many new ways to describe what's happening that'd be really cool yeah it was a very interesting exercise for me first time it ever happened i loved it i so want it to happen again and of course it's an l5r of course it was an l5r yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah for some reason there's no flaws in DD and pathfinder those are all just sterling perfect paragons of 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 human uh capability (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah that's what i have to say about metagaming i don't think much more than that beyond please make sure that you are acknowledging what you're doing and make sure that you like don't don't erase your meta knowledge okay so here's my last thing on this it sounds like we're kind of getting to that spot you know i like to play big dumb fighters too that's another that's another classic type if we go to play pathfinder DD, i want a barbarian with a big sword and i want to be level i want to roll a five on my my intelligence right yeah um (laughs) so there are times that yes i have so much more meta knowledge than what i have with my character but i'll use tabletop talk to kind of influence. I don't try and necessarily say, oh, by the way, my meta knowledge says you need to go do this because that's telling them how to play their character. But I try and table talk and get an idea floated out there. What do you think of that? Is that still cheating in the sense or is that playing well? I feel like I don't fully understand what you mean. Try again. Try again. Well, edit that part out. Let me start No, I think I I get what you're saying. You're saying like a a person who plays a low intelligence character, but the player is a high intelligence player. That can be an interesting schism because they can see the situation, see the solution. Yeah. But they have to 
or they, they, it would be funner, more, mm-hmm. more entertaining if they could tip everybody else towards the solution by using their dumb character in a funny way. Oh, okay. So is that kind of where you're going yes, with yes, that is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 This is where I'm going to flagellate myself because that's actually the part where I method act more. Because <laughs> yes, no, you're exactly right. When I play, I try and really play. I love. I see the what I love about episodes with you, Rob, is we, we cover we cover all sides of a thing: meta knowledge, lack of knowledge, remembering the sure. meta knowledge, and and like how to use it, how not to use it, and all these things. And now we get back to. We don't like method actors, but sometimes we do. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, so, okay, s- small pet peeve. I don't know if you do this. Uh, if someone has a really low intelligence, that doesn't mean they can't put sentences together. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Okay, no. good. Because I'm really sick of, like, me smash big thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no, like, so, I, I do that occasionally and sparingly during moments that, that it's right, needed. Exactly, good. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's true for, like, annoying voice, smart voice. Yes. Like, well, I do, you know, that voice. Sparingly. Well, actually. Actually, yeah, that voice is very fun for two sentences, and then you have to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> for comedic effect. Oh, that should be in a Powered by the Apocalypse system, like yeah. where somebody's move is well actually, where they can <laughs> simply correct an NPC no matter what they just said. <laughs> well, actually, the Earth is flat. <laughs> It is now. So, so for a, so for a uh, a smart player playing a dumb character, this kind of goes more towards. This is me being weird. This is my own personal experience. Okay. So I don't expect anyone else to have this in my playwriting class and in my experiences with that. Insane characters aren't insane to them. Like they have a thought process, right? You oh. know, like they they have a beginning, a right. middle, and an end. Right. It's just. It's just messed up. Right. So I would do the same thing with a with a smart with a dumb character. I would just have fewer premises with which to better have a nuanced argument and therefore thought. So if it's like there's this big golem, and it's being powered by some mechanism that we can see, but it's hard to get to. But we don't actually. But like you know, we if really the know golem was destroyed, we don't know how right? it works. Right. Yeah. Right. Like we know that it's powering it, but here's my thing, guys. Right. Like who cares that it's turning the golem on? If we just beat up the golem, then it can't, then it can't move the shards. So let's just smash it. Just smash the golem. Who cares about the magic? Magic's dumb. Don't deal with that. Smash the golem. (laughs) That's how I would do it. Right. Right. Where it's like simplest options. Like, oh, I don't need to go through these 17 steps that would make a smarter thing. I'm just like, oh, we need to get inside. Smash. We did it. All right. That was the goal, right? I kind of feel like we're now touching on like maybe this is a, a part five thing because I, I think we have some other stuff to get to first but playing a, a mental state outside of your norm yeah right what are the tools to do that because I think so many people don't know how to play evil they don't know how to play these things because they don't know how to like how to connect what that like empathize with what that character or what that thing is actually doing so I think that's a great future episode for us to break that is, down that. I think so because at cons you see that all the time two people get the idea of not playing of playing their character right and then two people are just like they're the same person whether they're playing their character or whether you're talking to them after the game <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. they just know yeah. one way to do things right Right. There's um. I'm uh. The more that we do this episode, the more I'm very happy that this was episode number two because uh, I can talk more about it whenever that episode happens, which is going to be an awesome one. But my spark notes for that is going to be the same thing. Use your meta knowledge, and any decision you make now does influence later. Yes. So yeah, exactly. Yes. Like right now, it's meta knowledge and meta gaming as a gaming as a whole. The whole idea of the game as a structure. Whereas in later, it would be the exact same thing. 
the exact same premises, the exact same thoughts, just more specific about how to do a specific thing. Right. Right. So this is so foundational to me and how I understand and think about games. Because how do you play an insane character? Let's talk about it later. But here's my thing. You can't unless you're insane. You can't <laughs> not. You can't do it. You have to play you. You just play you differently. Right. But how to Hold get on there? To that thought. Yeah. Yeah. See, that was so, that that'll be so cool. That'll be so cool. So I really like this. This was a good kind of 360 view, I think. All of, of meta knowledge and its and its various facets, right? And the and and I hope that some players and some GMs, you guys have some more tools on this. Give us feedback, right? We want to know what you thought of this, other topics you want us to cover. I think you know this whole series. I, I think we've got like at least three more to go, and possibly and more. Yeah, at least three, and that's just thinking very quickly. Yeah. In the last episode, I said that you could send any hate mail to ttiycast at gmail.com, and since I got none, and you are training me on how to treat you in the future, that means that everything we're doing now is perfect, and you love it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Rob, dude, thanks so much for coming back, man. This has been so much fun. I can't wait till we get to do another one. Yeah, this has been super good. Yeah, and uh, let people know how to get a hold of your podcast and all your stuff. Oh, yeah, I do things. Yeah. You should go listen to The Table is Yours. Yeah. It is audiobooks of the L5R or Legend of the Five Rings fiction from the Fantasy Flight Games, the most re- recent iteration. Yeah. We're still chugging along and it's still doing really good. In fact, literally today, I'm very excited. One of the authors messaged us <gasps> and said that it was super good and they really liked it. Dude, that is so awesome. Did you get like chills down your spine? Kind of. I mean, it's happened a couple times. We've actually been contacted by authors several times, but this is the first time we're using a new program. This is the first time it wasn't a cease and desist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) If you ignore them enough. (laughs) (laughs) If you move around a lot, they can't just mail you the letter. (laughs) So I was thinking about it and I know we're winding down, but I can say in conclusion, this is this is my summation. Use metagaming in the context of using a game when you're playing a game. You cannot escape meta knowledge. You can't do it. Therefore, do not be afraid of it and use it. Right. There's a lesson that all of us will constantly learn on that one. Because I think that so many people have such hard and fast rules around meta knowledge, metagaming, and that sort of thing. And they may not even be aware of all the ways that they're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So become aware of the ways that you're doing it and become aware of the ways that it's helpful. Right. Be mindful. Yes. This is like our role playing Buddhism is what this is. (laughs) Being mindful in all things. The Zen of RPGs. Yes. (laughs) Man, we totally messed up the freaking title of all these things. Just RPG Zen. I, I mean, that's okay. We can we can uh, retroactively title that. I still really like thought crimes and you. No, yeah, this is good. This is good. Yeah, I think I think meta gaming and thought crimes. That's all fun. So everyone who's been listening, as always, thank you so much. Have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. He's back. Go home, Chris. Yeah, you're drunk. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. 
Most importantly though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Bye. I'm sorry that I've ruined everything. You did ruin everything. All of it. Thank you.